Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Welcome to Life in the Sun. I'm Mark Beneventi. Welcome back, Tara. For those who don't know, Tara is my oldest daughter. And welcome to her friend, Kim. We're glad you're here. You know, this is Kim's first time on an island. So let's give her a warm Islander welcome. <laughs> Off a day. <laughs> that just came out. <laughs> welcome to our final message in this series entitled Crosscheck. Crosscheck is all about cross-checking issues in our lives that may interfere with honoring God in our relationships and in our response in circumstances. As you see here, oh, maybe you can't see here. It's not so bright. Oh, there we go. Uh, week one, we talked about self-denial following Jesus demands self-denial. Week two, the title was Hard Truth. Following Jesus means holding on to him even when I'm offended by the truth. Last week, Armin did a great job. Let's give Armin a hand. He talked about the path to greatness, and following Jesus means serving, not being served. And today, our title is Facing Trouble. Facing Trouble is something that I'm still learning how to do. As a young person, I had a lot of difficulty uh, facing trouble. Uh, sometimes it wasn't even real trouble. Sometimes it was just things that were difficult. I remember when I was in high school, I wanted to be a pilot. And so I spoke to a career counselor. And she said that by the time I'm actually the captain of a jet airliner, of a major airline, I will be at least 30 years old. And when I was 17, I thought, 30 years old? <laughs> no way. I can't wait till I'm 30 years old. You know, and that doesn't even pass as real suffering. That was just something difficult, or so I thought at the time. But when it came to real trouble, I would go into deep sadness. When my first girlfriend and I broke up, I cried all the way home. Oh, <laughs> that was my daughter feeling for me. <laughs> Facing trouble is something we all have to do from time to time. What's the hardest thing that you ever went through? Or what is something troublesome that you're going through even now? When trouble happens, it's important for you to know that God cares about how you feel. Did you know God is particularly drawn to those who are troubled and hurting? Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are meek. And why are they blessed? Because God will meet them where they're at, and he will meet their need. God is particularly drawn to those who are hurting and in trouble. Years ago, when the kids were little, we were visiting my grandfather, who lives in Montana. 
and the girls had bikes, and they were riding out there in the woods, and it's really safe, no traffic whatsoever. We're just really all by ourselves. And um, they were kind of young. I think Nicole was maybe eight years old. And I wanted to give them freedom to ride wherever they want and even get out of my sight, but I still wanted to be able to monitor just in case. And because um, we're just out there all by ourselves. So I got a pair of walkie-talkies, and I put one on her bike, and I adjusted the settings so that it was always on. And so Terry and I are just enjoying nature, and we're walking through the woods. One day, Terry saw a little baby bear, and she's like, oh, cute, a little baby bear. And she started to walk toward it. And I go, no, 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 no. I said, come with me. She goes, what's wrong, what's wrong? I go, where there's a baby bear, there's a mother bear. <laughs> and so I wanted to just kind of monitor my kids. I had these walkie-talkies, and so we're just enjoying, and they're having fun just in nature and just miles and miles of pine forest as far as the eye can see. And all of a sudden, I can hear through the walkie-talkie, the bike crashes. And she's like, oh, and she's in pain. And I take off running. She's about 400 meters away. When I was in high school, 400 meters was my specialty. But at 35 years old, it almost gave me a heart attack. <laughs> and so I finally get to her. I'm out of breath. And she's just writhing on the ground in pain. And I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay? And she's noticing I'm out of breath. And as soon as she notices just how tired I am, all of a sudden, she like wakes up and she stops and she goes, you ran? <laughs> you know, and I have a feeling that God and his love for us, whenever we're hurting, he's like. <gasps> and I, I pray that we will be awake enough to sense his presence because once we know that the father is present, present all of a sudden, it's like it doesn't hurt as bad anymore. And it's like, you're here? The point is, if I would run to my daughter, imagine how much more God, who is love and loves you more than you can imagine, will be present for you when you need him. He is particularly drawn to us when we're hurting or in trouble. As Armin said last week, Jesus did not come to be served, but he came to serve. When we talk about facing trouble, Believe me, God knows what it's like. He entered the world in the form of a man, and he felt everything that we feel, everything. When something is happening, he knows how you feel. He experienced everything we do and more. He came to earth and purposely endured the most brutal, violent torture and death ever invented. Jesus purposely endured the greatest injustice. So what he said about suffering and what he demonstrated while suffering is an absolute must if we're going to survive and thrive through the worst of life's seasons. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, I have told you these things. What is he talking about when he says, I told you these things? Well, here's the backdrop. Jesus said this during his last meal with the disciples. Judas is going to people who want to kill Jesus. He's going to lead them to the spot where they're going to sleep at night. He knows the spot. Jesus knows what Judas is doing. And so he turns to his disciples 
And again, he prepares them because their world is about to be turned upside down. They don't know what's coming. So Jesus tells them, he says, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be brought to trial. And you're going you're to panic. You're going to freak out. You're going to run. You're going to deny you even know me. Peter's going to do it three times. And then I'll be crucified and buried in a tomb. But then the most amazing thing ever is going to take place, and it will change everything. Jesus says, I will come back to life. And he says to his disciples that for them, this entire ordeal is going to be like a woman in childbirth. Like she is travailing, she is in anguish, but then all of a sudden, when the baby's born, her anguish turns to joy. And so before this ordeal even starts, Jesus says several things to help them endure the trouble. He says, know this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's talking about his identity. He's talking about who he is. He says, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back. And after that, um, I will leave again. By the way, when I come back, you'll just be blown away <laughs> that I'm back. It'll be hard to believe. You'll just be stunned. But then I'm going to go away again, and this is necessary so that I can send the comforter to you so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. But don't worry. I will come back again so that we can be together forever. He says, In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. Now, at the time Jesus spoke these words 2,000 years ago, the disciples had no idea that they were on the verge of the greatest event in human history. So they had no grid to process what Jesus was saying. They thought they understood, but they really didn't. All this would only make sense on the other side of the cross. It would only make sense after the cross and after the resurrection with the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Next slide. You'll notice that phrase, in me. I want to camp on that for a minute. This phrase is found 87 times in the New Testament. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you are united with Christ. It's like boarding a United Airlines flight. Uh, you're just sitting there, but the plane is traveling at 500 miles per hour at 30,000 feet in the atmosphere. But you're just sitting there. When you are in Christ, you are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. And all the amenities of first-class status is paid in full. You get to enjoy forgiveness. You get to enjoy favor. You get to enjoy the love of God. You experience the righteousness of God through his forgiveness and a new life that will never end. So even if you encounter turbulence on the flight, you can be sure that you will arrive at your destination because you are in Christ. Jesus is saying it's going to be okay. It's as if he's saying, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please fasten your seatbelts. We will be experiencing some turbulence. But know that it's going to be okay. 
Jesus also said, we have peace in Christ. He said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. During the Last Supper, Jesus told his disciples about who he was and how much he loved them. He wanted them to find peace in his words of assurance. And he also wants you to experience peace and assurance, knowing that in the end, everything is going to be okay. Now, you might think, well, you know, for the disciples, it was a little easier because they had Jesus face to face. You know, but with the stuff that I'm going through right now, I don't have that advantage. You might find this hard to believe. But Jesus being with the disciples was not necessarily an advantage to them. Do you remember the story of the two disciples? This is after the resurrection. Two disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus. One of them, his name was Cleopas. He was sad. He was downcast. They were talking to each other. After the resurrection, Jesus comes up to them, and he says, what are you guys talking about? And they say, haven't you heard? And he says, hear what? And he goes, are you the only one in Jerusalem that hasn't heard all the news of what has happened in the last three days? And he said, tell me. And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He was a man who, was, who performed powerful miracles and was a mighty teacher before God and before people. And the religious leaders delivered him up to be crucified. But some of the women said that they saw him three days later. And then Jesus began to teach them from the Old Testament how it was foretold that all of this would come to pass. In the time that they have met him, they don't recognize who he is. He begins to reveal his identity from all that was foretold in the Old Testament. And then he had a meal with them, and when he broke bread, he blessed it, and then he broke it, and all of a sudden their eyes were opened, and they recognized that it was Jesus. And the reason I tell you this story is here is the risen Christ standing before two disciples and they don't recognize who he is. And how does he reveal his identity? He uses the word of God to show who he is. The point is this. You may not have the benefit of having been with Jesus, but you do have the word of God. And if you will be in the word of God, the spirit of God can reveal the presence of God to you in your mind, in your heart, in your circumstance. He revealed himself through the Bible. Lastly, Jesus said, we have trouble in this world. And Jesus didn't sugarcoat. He didn't downplay. He didn't hide the truth that there will be trouble in the world. How many of you heard about what happened in New Zealand this week? Okay. I hear quite a few. Uh, for some who may not know, uh, there was a gunman who opened fire and killed over 40 Muslims in a mosque in New Zealand. It's a terrible tragedy. Uh, many others were injured. And many families are suffering and grieving even now as we speak. Jesus said, in this world, we will have trouble. According to the news, suspects have been apprehended. I'd like us to just take a moment to pray for the families, for the victims, and for the families. Could we do that? 
our Heavenly Father, we lift up the people who are hurting right now. Lord, they are, some of them are feeling despair, hopeless, anger, maybe some with revenge in their heart. Holy Spirit, you are the great restrainer. And we pray that you would work through intercessors around the world, through your people in New Zealand, to bring peace and healing. Lord, we ask your favor on all the agencies working hard to bring order back into their community, to comfort the families who are torn up as the kingdom of darkness hit right in their home. Holy Spirit, even now we ask that you would send your presence and dispatch your angels and be at work in the midst of this great tragedy, great pain and suffering. Lord, we ask that you would reveal your presence because, Lord, we know that your presence is enough. Reveal your presence to those who are hurting. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Looking at the news and sometimes our own situations, we know there are many issues that we can't fix. Sometimes we want to ignore the world of problems. It's hard. It's difficult. We want to be trouble-free. But Jesus said, you will have trouble in this life, in this world. Epic loss came suddenly to a man named Jerry Sitzer. In an instant, a tragic accident claimed three generations of his family. His mother, his wife, and his young daughter. When a drunk driver struck the family van. <clears throat> Years later, he wrote a book entitled A Grace Disguised. Hopefully, we will never know the loss and grief like Jerry's. But when there is serious trouble, we can feel like a dark cloud just comes over us. And we might try to run away from the darkness. We can run away through busyness. We can run away through alcohol or whatever your drug of choice or just plain denial. In this book, A Grace Disguise, Jerry shares a story. He talks about darkness just enveloping when you're in that place of serious trouble and the tendency to run away. And he uses the analogy of the Earth's atmosphere, the Earth rotating on its axis, creating day and night. And if you got in a plane and you tried to escape the darkness, let's just say you started flying west, you could prolong the daytime. But eventually, because of the Earth's orbit, nighttime will overcome. And if you keep flying west, the darkness will last longer. On the other hand, if you take that plane, you turn it around, and you fly east, and you fly into the darkness, after the darkness, there is a new day. And if you fly into the darkness, that new day will come sooner than later. And I want to encourage us with the words of Jesus, knowing that he is present, that he's with you, that he's for you, not to be afraid of the darkness. Face it. Face trouble. Walk into the darkness, walk through the darkness, walk with him through the darkness by faith, and a new day will come sooner than later.
Which leads to our last point. We overcome through Christ. Jesus said, take heart, I have overcome the world. Vernon Grounds was a seminary student. Vernon, while he was going to school, loved to play basketball. But his seminary didn't have a basketball court. So they would go to a nearby public school to play at the gym. One day, he and his friends are playing a game, and the janitor is waiting patiently in the corner for the seminarians to finish their basketball game so that he can clean up. And Vernon notices that he's reading his Bible. So as a seminary student, he walks over to him, and he says, hey, what are you reading? And the janitor said, I'm reading Revelation. He's like, whoa, Revelation. He said, do you know what it means? And the janitor said, yes, I do. To his surprise. And so he goes, well, tell me, what does it mean? He said, it means that in the end, Jesus is going to win. <clears throat> Jesus is going to win. We overcome through Christ. <clears throat> when the devil knocks, send Jesus to the door. <laughs> when you face trouble, resist Resist the pull toward an easier path outside of God's plan and purpose. Live in obedience to his word and trust him in every situation. Especially when you face trouble. Take heart because he's already won the victory. King David was the greatest warrior who ever lived. Why was he a great warrior? Because he was a man after God's heart, and he would seek God for direction before every battle. We need to do the same, and then do what God says. You know, David was 17 when the prophet Samuel anointed him as the next king. Did you know it was 14 years until he finally became king? And during that 14 years, some of that time, he was on the run. He was being chased down by Saul. He was being chased down by his leader. He was being chased down by the state. He was on the run. And yet in that time, he continued to honor God in his honoring of authority, <clears throat> in his honoring of authority and honoring Saul. <clears throat> there was a time when Saul was after him, came looking for him in the hill country, entered a cave to relieve himself. Little did he know, David and his men were hiding in the cave. And his men said to him, and he's like, and he sneaks up and cuts off an edge of Saul's cloak. Saul doesn't even know it happened. I mean, this guy's like ninja. I mean, we're talking the greatest warrior who ever lived. He can do it. Saul gets out. He's on the other side of the ridge. David comes out of the cave. He said, why are you hunting me down? What have I done to you? He said, look here. I have, a, I have the corner of your cloak. Take a look. And so Saul takes a look. Sure enough, the corner's cut off. He goes, I could have taken your life in that cave, but I didn't. And David was a man who continued to trust God in the midst of the greatest trouble of being hunted down and hiding and rejected Probably his reputation is being smeared throughout Saul's, I'll call it regime. 
We need to trust God when we're in the midst of great trouble. In summary, we have peace in Christ. We have trouble in this world, and we overcome through Christ. And so, what can we do when facing trouble? A couple suggestions. Be in the Word and rely on the Holy Spirit to reveal the mind of Christ. What your experience is, uh, nobody can question. How you interpret that is a question. Because we don't see the full picture. And what you can do as you're in the Word and you're seeking the mind of Christ is to ask the Lord for his perspective on my circumstance. We can't change history. We can't change what happened. But we can ask God to add his thoughts and his perspective to what happened in order to renew our minds. That's part of the renewing of our minds. Ask the Lord how to view this. Secondly, remember there are better days ahead. And trust God for them. Sometimes when we're in that darkness, we feel like that is all there is. That's my reality. I can't see past tomorrow. I can barely cope moment by moment here when I'm in real despair, when I'm in real darkness. I want to encourage you to know that this moment, this season, is not all there is. There is a future, there is a tomorrow, and there are better days ahead. And thirdly, hold on to your hope. Hold on to your hope in Christ and keep your head up. He's the lifter of your head. Paul said that he had found the secret of being content, whether he had a little or a lot. And the secret was Jesus. We have this treasure in jars of clay, so to speak. And I encourage us, even when we go through trouble, to treasure his presence, to take joy in your treasure. Sound good? Let's take a moment to pray. Father, I thank you that you have given us a heads up. You've warned us that trouble is part of life. And yet, Lord, we can take courage and we can take hope because you're with us and because you have overcome. And so, Lord, I ask that you would reveal your presence to us. Lord, I ask that you would show us how you're at work in those difficult areas of our lives. Father, renew our minds and help us to have your perspective. Lord, give us the mind of Christ. And Lord, I ask that you would strengthen every person who needs it on the inside. As Nita said earlier, Lord, yes, you're aware of our troubles, but you're also strengthening us to get up and to walk in faith, trusting you. And so, Lord, I pray that whatever the need is for each person, that you would supply, that you would meet them in that place of need. And if you would just continue in an attitude of prayer with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to give you a moment just to do some business with God and to say, Lord, what is it that you're saying to me? What is it that you want me to take away? And so just in the privacy of your heart, in the silence of your heart, take a moment just to turn your attention to God. 
and say, God, what is it that you're saying to me? sense there's an area that God is highlighting to you, go ahead and take a moment just to respond to God. Whatever you think he's leading you to do, just go ahead and respond to him. closed. I want to address another group here today. There may be some of you, as you're listening to me talk about experiencing God, about relating to Him, that's been something that's been on your heart recently. You've been thinking about that. And as a result, you're, you're searching. In fact, that's why you're here today. It's not just to go to church, but you're, you're looking for God. And if that describes you, but you've never made a conscious choice, a formal decision to allow God to be in your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If that describes you, uh, what's going to happen is I'll just pray out loud and you can follow along. You just hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. Let's pray. God, I'm here today. I'm making a decision choosing you, choosing to open up my life. I want to experience you. And so I open my mind and my heart. I invite you to come in and be with me. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for things I've done that I'm not proud of. You know all of them. And I ask you to forgive me for the things that have been hurtful to other people, to myself. I receive Jesus. I receive Jesus and his forgiveness, his spirit of forgiveness into my life. And if you're praying this prayer right now, I want you to take a moment by faith to receive 
the Spirit of God to receive his forgiveness. This is for you. He's been waiting for this moment. He's wanting and longing to experience a relationship with you and let him come in. Let him be one with you. Father, I thank you for what you're doing now. And just pray with me. Lord, I thank you for coming into my life. I ask that you would give me a new start. The way I've been doing it is not working well. I ask that you would show me your way, your blueprint for living life. I ask that you would reveal yourself to me. I pray, God, that you would make me the kind of person you want me to be. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give a hand to those who prayed that prayer.